welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd. Welcome to The New Jesus. We've been talking about, for six or seven uh, sessions now, I sort of loosely entitled it, It Doesn't Matter. And, and some things that we tend to prioritize uh, very highly, whether consciously or unconsciously, that are not what we should be prioritizing very highly. And the things that we should be prioritizing very highly, very often, even if we would give the right answer if someone asked us, we're prioritizing way down on the list. And, and, and again, maybe not, maybe not even realize that we're doing that, okay? And then we also talked about a few things that do matter, and we kind of ended with that uh, Super 7 list of the seven do's and don'ts to keep you on the high road to keep you in love and truth instead of fear, falsehood, selfishness, and stress, okay? Um, so uh, today is sort of the first step out of that, you know, it doesn't matter stuff, but I think still very, very, very relevant to what we just talked about for the last month and a half to two months. Okay, so let's, let's take a look. All right. Pride, uh, scripturally, pride's the root of all evil. Love of money's the root of all evil. They usually go together. But we talked last time uh, with that super seven list about how a really great definition of pride, scripturally at least, is vain imagination. Now, a lot of people I talk to about that, when I say vain imagination, they're like, I've never heard of that. What is that? Well, I think it's a definition of uh, sinful pride from Scripture, okay? So, if your pride or vain... So, what we're talking about today for a few minutes is pride and vain imagination plus what Jesus said is uh, the way it is about your thoughts, emotions, feelings, sin, grace, all that 
in Matthew 5 predominantly, but other places too. And what that brings us to, vain imagination plus Jesus in Matthew 5, are thought sins. Thought sins. So that's what we're talking about today. Thought sins. Now, why is that important? Well, um, there was a period of probably three or four years that when I had a client who called themselves a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus, or whatever, uh, I would ask them to do something for me, okay? I would ask them to carry around a tablet, iPhone, a uh, piece of paper, notepad, post-it note, whatever, and would explain some of this to them and then have them write down every thought sin from their day. So as soon as they it may, as soon as they wake up in the morning, maybe they're still laying in bed, not even out of bed yet, and they start thinking, and some of those thoughts they have while still there in bed are likely sinful, at least for some people. And then we get up and we go to use the restroom, maybe have a sinful thought or two there, maybe not. Then we go to get breakfast or coffee or whatever, maybe have a sinful thought or two there. Then we, you know, and, and it's all day long. And, and, and some of you are probably thinking, well, Alex is exaggerating. It's not that big a deal. It's not that prevalent. <laughs> okay, well, during those few years, when I ask uh, Christians to keep track of their thought sins, uh, i.e., pride, vain imagination, and Jesus in Matthew 5, the average number of thought sins per day for self-proclaimed Christians was 41. 41. 41. So what my clients told me after tracking it with pencil and paper or electronic or whatever, on average, is they had 41 thought sins every day, on an average day. A bad day, it, it was way more than that. A good day, less than that, all right? The client who had the most thought sins was over 300 in one day, virtually all day long. Virtually couldn't do anything else, almost, except keep track of their thought sins. At least that's what they told me. I can't get anything done. 300 times, I've got a Oh, yeah, that would be sinful, too, if I participate with that. Yep, write it down. Over 300. But the average, 41. The client who had the least, the least, had, I believe it was 18. Okay? And that was, and there was only one person who had 18. All of them were more than that. Okay? There was only one that had over 300, too. But we had several with over 100, over 200, all right? I would encourage you to try that at home. I think it might be really eye-opening to you just how much you sin, okay? Now, why is that important? Well, I had a, a client who was in my office, and um, he was sharing with me while, why he was there. And to me, that was not why he was there. And that's Psychology 101, uh, the, the presenting problem is never the problem, okay? That's psychology 101. 
What people come in and tell you is the problem is almost never the problem, okay? And, and, and that should ring some bells from the last few teachings where we talked about um, what we consciously think versus what is the real reality of the situation, okay? And I believe this, this speaks to that as well, okay? But anyway, uh, this client... Um, I asked him a, a crazy question. I said, I said, okay, when's the last sin you committed? Okay, think about that for yourself. When's the last sin you committed? It's probably a 50-year-old uh, male who is a Christian, okay, and, and, and says they're a Christian, all right? Um, his answer was like three weeks previous when he had, uh, I think, told what he called a white lie or something like that, okay? And I said, okay, well, what was the time before that, before three months? And it was like another two or three months before. And I think it was a lie too, or, or being unkind to someone who, like, at a grocery store or something like that, okay? I don't remember exactly, but it was something like that, okay? And uh, and I was just like, oh, really? Okay, okay. So, two sins in the last six months, and the most recent one three months away. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right, all right? Well, then I explained this stuff to him, and Matthew 5 and all that, and that thought... Our thoughts can be sinful, all right? If you have certain thoughts, you've just sinned, according to vain imagination, pride, and what Jesus taught in Matthew 5, okay? Um, so I had him track, okay? Not just the sins he physically did, but thought sins too. And guess what? It wasn't once, one every three months. It was, if I remember correctly, it was about 70-something per day for him. So how do you think he felt when he went from thinking he had committed one sin in the last three months, two sins in the last six months, to he's committed 72 sins every day. Well, it flipped him upside down. And I mean, for a minute there, he was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to hell. It's 72 sins in a day? I mean, I, 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 no hope for me, right? No, absolutely not. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, that's a lot of the reason we're having these, we're, we're, we're going through these things. It's because it seems like in, in Christendom, followers of Jesus, there's a big wide gulf between sins that you actually do and thought sins. It's like we think, uh, okay, if I actually do it, then it's a sin and I'm guilty. Yeah, I understand that. I agree with that. I get that. Yeah. But you start talking about having a thought about sin that you never actually do in your physical and external circumstances, you don't do it. You choose not to do it. But you're still guilty of the sin? 
Oh, man, that changes the whole ball game, right? Yes, it does change the whole ball game, and that is why there had to be grace. There's just no other way, all right? I mean, we've talked about it many times. The purpose of the old law, the purpose of the law, the old law, the law of Moses, uh, through Moses came the law and sin and death. Through Jesus Christ came grace and life and freedom, okay? So, under the old law, It was designed so that sin would increase. Well, it did. From it's only a sin when you do it to it's a sin if you think it and participate with that thought. And to some degree. Now, Scripture doesn't exactly detail. Okay, do you have to participate with the thought for five seconds or for 20 seconds or for a minute or for... For me, I think it's about 60 seconds. And, and, and I've, I've played with this for decades, all right? And for me, if I participate with that sinful thought for about 60 seconds, I'm hooked, all right? And I 90% of the time, I'll end up doing it, all right? Well, what I believe Jesus was teaching us is once we participate with that thought, to the point that we feel it. If you have anger in your heart, well, the heart is where the feelings are. So that means you're feeling anger in your heart. Jesus said, if you do that, you're guilty of the judgment. That, that, that verse started with, uh, you've heard that, you know, it's a sin to commit murder, but I tell you, if you're angry with your brother, you're guilty of the judgment. If you're angry with your brother, you're guilty of murder. And then he goes to adultery. You've heard it's wrong to commit adultery. I tell you, if you lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You've already done it, okay? All right, so, so let's take a look at this because I think it's critical to an understanding of who you really are in Christ and grace, the new law, love be, how this stuff works, okay? So vain imagination broken down is basically potentially any and every thought, feeling, or emotion. All of them. 100% potentially. Every thought, feeling, or emotion. Okay? You can't do anything without using your image maker. Pierce Howard, PhD. Uh, I've got that down here somewhere, I think. Wrote a wonderful book called The Owner's Manual for the Brain. And in that book, he cited wonderful new uh, research from studies that all data that comes into our five senses, all data is both encoded, downloaded, and recalled in the form of images. Not words, not uh, actions, it's an image, okay? So the basic unit, the basic cell, if you will, of sin, potential sin anyway, are our images, okay? And you cannot, let, let, me, let, let me put it this way, okay? And I don't mean to be crass, but I'm, I'm from the South, so maybe that's a reason. You can't go to the bathroom if you don't have an image or picture of how to go to the bathroom. 
You can't do it. Okay? Uh, um, the Nobel Prize was awarded in, I believe, 1971 or 72 to Roger Sperry, who did groundbreaking original research on left brain, right brain. All right? And one of the things he found is that from right brain not only come images as opposed to left brain words, but through right brain images comes wisdom and appropriate action. Okay? From words come nothing except the word. That's it. But, but, but you don't even know the meaning of the word. So, from words comes just the word. Being able to say it. This is a spoon. Or this is a, a, a band. Or this is a shirt. Or this is a whiteboard. Or whatever. From images come feelings, thoughts, uh, wisdom, or, or a lack of wisdom. Uh, meaning of words. Meaning of life. Meaning of... Uh, going to uh, the mall to get pizza, and the appropriate action. Basically, everything to live our life comes from images and almost nothing just from words. Okay? So, every thought, feeling, every thought, feeling, and emotion has an image. In fact, it comes from the image. The feeling, thought, and emotion come from the image. Okay? And Southwestern University Medical School and Medical Center in Dallas, Texas, trying to find out for the first time where cancer, diabetes, heart disease, all these illnesses and diseases come from, their conclusion was cellular memories in the form of images. An anger image sets off fight or flight, shuts down your immune system, you end up getting sick. A love, truth, joy, peace image turns fight or flight or stress off and can initiate peptides, endorphins, and all kinds of wonderful things, okay? And that's one thing Daniel Amon said, Dr. Daniel Amon, who you see on PBS all the time, is that every image, every thought, every emotion, every feeling changes your brain chemistry, your brain state, your hormones, uh, changes all this physical stuff, not just non-physical stuff, changes how you feel, and it'll do it quickly on a dime, okay? So, basically, when we break down vain imagination, it's every thought, feeling, every image that we have, okay? You can't do anything without your image maker. So, it's absolutely constant virtue or um, vain imagination. Constant. Constant, all day, every day, because Jesus stepped on the scene and took sin to a whole nother level. Now, it's not just what you do, it's what you think. Okay, so thought participation with a sinful thought, emotion, or feeling equals, in Scripture, sin. Okay, so what does that mean practically? Well, we already talked about the one with anger that Jesus specifically addressed in Matthew 5. 
If you're angry with your brother, unless it's righteous anger. Now, there is a righteous anger in Scripture, being angry over something that would make God angry, like a child being molested or something like that, all right? Uh, so if we're angry over that, that's okay. That's not sinful. That is, that is to, to get you into action to help that child, okay? But outside of that, yes, anger toward our brother in our heart yeah, Jesus compared that to murder and said, if you do it, you're already guilty of the judgment. You don't have to murder them. You're already guilty of it because you participated with it in your heart. Okay, so if you're angry, you're guilty of murder. How about lust? Guilty of adultery and unfaithfulness. Gossip? Guilty of judging. You'll be judged. Uh, don't judge. You will be judged in the way that you do judge. You will be forgiven how you forgive. And judgment is usually about not forgiving, which means you won't be forgiven. Which means, yeah, you're guilty. Sin. You tell a lie. Guilty. Manipulation to get something or get out of something. Rejection. Guilty. You're harming someone and making their life, either emotionally or physically, unsafe, at least how it feels to them. Uh, you're bad or not good enough. You, you think that about someone else. They are bad or not good enough. Or even yourself, okay? Judging yourself, which means disagreeing with God if you're a believer, because he says you are saved and you're a saint, holy, righteous, all that. So if instead of that, you think I'm bad and disagree with God, or that they're bad judging them, you are guilty of judgment, even if it's yourself. Okay, afraid. Guilty. We're told 365 times in Scripture. Fear not. One of my uh, favorite preachers used to say, do it afraid. That's basically what Scripture says, is do it afraid. You can't maybe stop yourself from fearing, but... You can do it afraid. Do what God would have you do even though you are afraid and give it to Him. Where if you're afraid and it causes you to not do what you believe God would have you to do, you, you, you're right, you're guilty. You don't have faith, which is what God said. Uh, Jesus said when they were, you know, the storm and Peter, come, oh, you of little faith. You know, He didn't say you're lost. He didn't say, you're out of here, you're out of the group now. No, he still loved him, he was still part of the group, he was the main guy at Pentecost, but it, but it was a sin, all right? If you man manipulate others in order to get something you want or to get out of something that you don't, you're, you're guilty. That's fear, that comes from fear and selfishness. And on and on and on, so that theoretically, any thought could potentially be sinful. Depending on if it's love-based or fear and selfishness-based and whether you participate with it for that period of time or immediately give it to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, ask them to take control and wait on the Lord for His strength to deal with the situation. Okay, so theoretically, this can take any thought you have almost all day, every day, to the point of it being a sin and you guilty of a sin. Now, is that scary? I mean, if you don't understand grace or haven't gotten to grace yet, 
but that's all you understand. It, pretty scary, right? If, if the average is 41 a day, that means you're committing 41 sins a day? Well, how are you even going to keep track of that? What are you going to do? You're going to, after every single sin, 41 times? Oh, Father, I just uh, had this gossip thought about John. Oh, please forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have done it, but I don't really like John, and he wasn't very nice to me that other time, and I saw him doing this or that, and, you know, I, I, I judged him. Sorry, Father. So, 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 you know, I'm in the middle of my day. That, that thought about John happens. I participated with it for long enough to feel it. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like him to get, get his for that. Uh, some negative outcome. Oh, man, Father, I just did it again. I just said, oh, well, what did that take? A minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes? Well, multiply that times 41. You get the picture? If this is the way it's supposed to work, where we, on average, commit 41 sins a day, and with each one of them, we're supposed to stop, uh, repent, confess, um, feel guilty and ashamed and all. Oh my goodness. First of all, that's going to be the most exhausting day you ever had. Secondly, you're probably not going to be able to get anything done because you're going to be focused all day long on sin. Well, we know we're not supposed to do that. Because Scripture tells us, think about these things, Philippians 4, what's true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. We talked last week about, think about, uh, and that makes, yeah, 1 Peter 1.13, fix your hope completely on grace. Think about grace all the time. Pray without ceasing. I mean, there's no way you can do even one of those if you're for, focused 41 times a day for one to five minutes each time on your sin, and then the rest of the time you're worried, okay, i got to be really careful because I know I'm going to have another one of these thoughts in a second, and I've got to take it captive or... and, and it, Well, I think that's a little bit ridiculous, okay? And I think God knew that because what God says in Scripture is that we're not here to just be saved and then go to the beach every day. We're here to be saved, to choose God, to choose love, and then to share the word with others and serve and help others, okay? You can't do that if you're focused on this stuff 41 times a day or more or maybe a little less, but, but say it's half of that for you. Say it's 20 times a day. You tell me you're going to be able to get a lot of really great stuff done for yourself and your family with a good attitude and focused in the present moment in love and love, joy, peace. and No way you're going to be able to do that, even 20 times a day. All right? Here's the bottom line. I believe... God in Scripture is really trying to show us the absurdity of the law. 
and trying to save ourselves by our own willpower and actions. And I think that's why at the end of Matthew 5, after Jesus said all that stuff about, you know, you've heard it's uh, wrong to commit murder. I'm telling you, if you're angry, you're already guilty of the judgment and, uh, and um, lust and, and unfaithfulness and all that, okay? At the end of all of that, you remember what he said? <laughs> Two words. Be perfect. Be perfect. Why would he say that? Because if this is how you're living, and and a and a thought and a, a sinful thought that you participate with becomes an actual sin, even if you haven't done it and never do it, you're not going to be doing much of anything else the rest of your life except being focused on sin and repenting and confessing 20 to 300 times a day. Okay? Now, yes, we're supposed to repent and confess still, even under grace. What is that? It's saying you're sorry. I mean, the, everything, you, know, you remember the book, Everything you, needed to know, you, need, you Really Need, You Learned in Kindergarten? Well, one of the first one of those is, I'm sorry. That's what repentance and confession is. I'm sorry, and with your help, I'm going to try not to do it again. And my intention is not to do it again. But I don't have to do it 40 times a day. I can do it once a day, twice a day, in the morning, at night. I, I don't have to identify. I, what, uh, my dad, my father, and I've told this before, at the end of his life, it was so sad because he, was, he had been a faithful Christian all his life. And at the end of his life, he was absolutely terrified to die because he's, he thought this was the way it worked. And he thought if he had one of these strafe sin thoughts before he had a chance to repent and confess because he died right after he had it, he believed with all his heart he would go to hell. Because God was that legalistic, even if he intended to repent and confess, but just didn't have a chance because he died before he could. No way. All bets are off. Go to hell. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a loving God. It, and I don't believe that is God. I believe that was always a lie. That was... That was never true, not even under the old law. Remember what Paul said? He referred even back to the old law when they're having trouble getting grace and, say, and said, was Abraham justified by what he did, which is what everybody thought it was, or by what he believed, which is what nobody thought it was. Ten Commandments, right? You know, love isn't even in the Ten Commandments, all right? So the, the answer, the right answer, is by what he did. Paul said no. It was about because he believed. So really, forever, even under the old law, to God, Yahweh, I believe it's always been about what we believe. It's about our heart. It's about our thoughts, not just our actions. But if we had to deal with all that under the old law, or at least what they thought was the old law at the time, okay, there is no way we could focus on the things that God tells us he wants us to be focused on. So 
What does that mean? It means there's no way this is what God wants us to be focused on. And, and, and science confirms that. Whatever you focus on is what you tend to do more. You focus, you focus more on sin, you're going to sin more. You focus more on what is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. Focus on grace, focus on love, focus on people you love, uh, beauty. You're going to do that stuff more. All right? So, there is no way I can see that this is the way we're supposed to live under the new covenant of grace and love and freedom through Jesus Christ. Yes, these are sins. But they're covered by the grace of God. And every one of these, every one of these 41 that I commit today, or that you commit today, ladies and gentlemen, they've already been paid for. They were paid for 2,000 years ago. And Jesus has the receipt, and they do not have to be paid for twice. Now, even if they're already forgiven, shouldn't I still say I'm sorry and try not to do it again with God? Of course I should. Any five-year-old knows that. Okay? Well, that's what grace and repentance is for. It's not... We are not forgiven by the power of repentance and confession. We're forgiven by the power of the blood of Jesus and the love of God. That's, that's what we're forgiven by. We don't earn our forgiveness by repenting and confessing. We can't earn our forgiveness in any way. It's a free gift from God. Okay, let's move on. Um, yeah, so what we're really talking about is constant sin, but also constant grace. I heard one uh, biblical scholar explain it like it's a windshield wiper. You know, it's raining, but as soon as those drops hit your windshield... It's wiped off, and it's constant. It'll do that all night long, okay? Every drop of water, whoosh, gone. Sin, gone. Sin, gone. I had another uh, scholar explain it to me. He said it's like you're standing in the shower, taking a shower, and someone, as a prank, opens the door and throws some mud on you, you know, like a, a dorm college joke or something, okay? Well, what happens to it if you're standing already in the shower when it happens? It's immediately washed off and goes down the drain. It doesn't stick to you, okay? So, that, yes, we sin constantly, but we're also constantly under grace. Which, which, it, which I believe is why Scripture says, Blessed is the man whose sin is never counted against him. It doesn't say it's counted against him and then forgiven after he repents and confesses. It says, blessed is the man whose sin is never counted against him. And of course, Paul in Romans 7, when I do what I don't want to do, don't, don't do what I do want to do and do it over and over and over, it's not me doing it. And God does not assign the guilt and the blame to me. 
or to you. Okay? So that means we don't have to be stressed out over all these 41 things. Repent, confess, say I'm sorry. Yeah, when, when, yeah. But we're supposed to be focused on the Father, on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit, on what is true, lovely, excellent, beautiful, grace, love. Be focused, fix your hope completely on grace. Cast all your anxiety on Him, etc. Now, here's one that really will mess with your mind. The Psalm 66 verse uh, uh, passage that we talked about the last couple of weeks where it says that st sin stops our communication with God. If we disregard the inequity of our heart, which can be a thought sin, it stops. God doesn't hear our prayers. That's what it says in Psalm 66. That if we disregard the inequity of our heart, if we disregard the sin in our heart, then God doesn't hear our prayer. What does that mean? It means I've got to take these seriously, okay? Even though they're forgiven, even though uh, they're never even written under my name, etc. When I do these, it grieves God, Scripture says. It grieves the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. And it's a betrayal of Jesus, who is my bridegroom. I'm his bride. I, we're the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. He's my bridegroom. We are one, the mystery of the ages. So I am hurting. Does grief hurt? Does betrayal hurt? Yeah, and God has... Uh, scripture shows clearly God has emotions and feelings for us. He feels pain. He feels love. He feels anger sometimes. He feels, you know different things, okay? Um, so, yeah, if we don't take these seriously, even though we're under grace, then it stops our communication with God. He doesn't hear our prayer, okay? Now, I can absolutely commit these sins and it not stop my communication because I don't disregard them. I'm not taking them lightly. I'm, oh man, I shouldn't have thought that. I'm sorry, Father. And, and I'm going to try to do that better. Please help me. Let me give that to you and, and you know, that sort of thing. Okay. That, didn't, that didn't stop my communication. He hears those prayers because I'm not disregarding the sin. I'm treating it as important. Okay? So, yes, it's important. But it does not take you from saved to lost, saved to lost, saved to lost, saved to lost. And we're not to be focused there. We're to be focused on the love, positive grace, etc. Okay, so think constant sin. But the command is focus on love and grace. There's no way this law ever could have worked. It's just too much sin. It's overwhelming. It's all day, every day for most people. Okay? Um, grace is the only thing that will work in this situation when we keep doing this, even after we're believers, even after we are, you know, maybe even understand our living grace and love in the present moment. There's never going to be a time we don't sin at all. We're always going to sin. Well... We don't need to go to guilt and shame because we're not guilty. It's not me that did it. It's not written under my name. But I am very sorry that I caused God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit 
pain and grieve them and betray Jesus. I'm very sorry for that. I'm a, and please forgive me. And I'm going to try not to do it. Well, that's not disregarding. That's taking it seriously. So I'm still in communication and under grace and right with God. Okay? Um, and, and please don't forget in the umbrella context of all of this, what we've talked about so many times that the latest research says 50% of what we think about ourselves and our life is simply untrue and that the average person leans 80% to the negative. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that perfectly describes this and the 41 times a day. Perfectly. Perfectly. Okay? Yeah, science has found. Yeah, here's what the average person does right? But it's not what God meant for us. It's not what he paid for. And it is not grace and love. It is not the new covenant. It is the old covenant. So again, after all the it doesn't matter and here's some do's and here's some don'ts and stuff like that, are you living under, are you being tricked by Satan to live in the system that is not only an antiquated system, it really never worked that way, not even under the old law, and there's no way you can do it and be focused on what God tells you to be focused on at the same time, and it is most likely 41 a day for the average person, way worse than you think it is. Chances are you've not sinned for the most recent time three months ago, probably more like three minutes ago. Okay? Now, yeah, as we grow in grace and love, we get better and better at it, and maybe it's not 41. Maybe it's, I, my guess, I haven't tracked this in a long, long time, several years, but my guess for me today is probably about 10. And my guess for me when I was young, oh my goodness, especially like in my, my teens and 20s, you know, with lust and girls and sexuality and all that stuff, I think I was easily over 100 during those days, okay? Um, well, that, that means sin completely dominated those days, and it did for me. I felt guilty all the time. Well, we're not supposed to feel guilty we're supposed to live in love in the present moment. Well, the only way you can do that is giving this to God, which he's already paid for it anyway, and that was his plan. Being focused on what he says to be focused on. And when we're focused on those things, then the changes to our chemistry and brain state and hormones are all positive ones and get better and better and better. Okay? So what's my point? If you're determined to live under law, then you've got to include thought sins. And my guess is your thought sins and action sins together are probably somewhere around 40, 41, 30, 50, 60 every day. Does that sound like a love life? That sound like a really great successful life that you look back on at the end? Wow, what a great life. 
Sounds like an absolutely miserable life to me, and it was a miserable life to me when I lived it for the first two and a half, at least, decades of my life, and, and even struggled with it after then, too. Still, still struggle with this stuff some today, okay? But I'm not going to go to being focused on this 80% of my day like I believe most people are. I want to be focused on love and grace, the present moment, what is beautiful, excellent. I want that to be my focus 80% of my day. And if it does, it'll totally transform my how I feel, even my physical body, hormones, chemicals, all that, the determined mood and all that, as well as my attitude, my energy, illness and disease, uh, my immune system will be uh, fabulous rather than turned off from stress, etc. Okay? So, um, evaluate where you are this week in thought sins. Okay? Read Matthew 5 yourself, all right? And, and these other scriptures too. And, um, do you really want to live that way? Well, first of all, I don't think you can live that way because it's not the way it works. It's not the way God has it set up. You can try to do it anyway, but it's going to be awful, and you can't do it. And we can't do this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It is by grace you have been saved, not of works lest anyone should boast. Think about what is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. Focus on your hope on grace all the time. Pray without ceasing. And take control of your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Okay? Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.